0: Thanks, Martin. Evening, everyone. Uh, Tonight, uh, we are carrying on our series. We've been looking at the famous last words of Jesus from John chapter 13 through to John chapter 17. And uh, this evening, I have the title, Betrayal and Denial, um, which doesn't at first sight look a very encouraging title for a talk, does it? But um, we're looking at the specific occasion of Jesus at the Last Supper with his friends and the things that he spoke to them and the things that happened in the context of that meal and so we have in a sense the story of both a very powerful and a very uncomfortable meal I don't know whether you've ever had an uncomfortable meal with anybody or you've ever been in the context of an uncomfortable meal Um, but in a sense we're we're right yes some of you saying yes there's prayer for you in a few moments time so if you have a particularly uncomfortable meal that comes back to mind we can easily pray for you canon and I invited some folks round for a meal once and um, we forgot that we'd invited them and we'd eaten with our kids before they arrived sat down for the evening and then the doorbell rang and we opened the door and there they were with a bottle of wine and saying hi and you know I would love to tell you that we were absolutely completely honest with them and said I'm sorry we've eaten already and uh, we said, hi, come on in. Karen had to rustle up something to eat really quickly. And then um, we ate again <laughs> with them. So you're not eating very much now, are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm so fat. Um Uncomfortable meals uh, can be embarrassing things. And here, here's Jesus, in a sense, right in the middle of his last meal with his friends. And the, 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 the circumstances that unfold where there is both betrayal and denial uh, c- couched in this one meal is both shocking and stark when you read through it, as, as Nick just read it to us. And in a sense, this, this evening is, is about betrayal, both as we look back at what happens in this account, but also in that sense of our our own circumstances and our own life. We have, if we're honest, probably many of us, been on the receiving end of betrayal, where somebody has said something or done something, stolen an idea at work, through to uh, let you down in the most uh, painful of circumstances. We've all been probably betrayed in one way or another. And the reality is that we've also been, been betrayers many of us. We've let others down and we know that we have. So tonight is in a sense, we want it to, want it to be a message of freedom. Because the, the reality is that when we mess up or somebody messes against us, those things can live with us, can't they, for, for years to come. And I think this evening it would be lovely if we were able to be on the receiving end of more freedom. the things that have been done to us or that we may have done to others we can uh, bring before Jesus this evening and receive from him once again and you'll have spotted the rather subtle cross um, behind me Uh, and in a few minutes there's opportunity to respond to what I talk about in a very practical way so that's where we're coming into land in a few minutes time so Worth saying that uh, in this context as Jesus had had this meal with his friends, uh, we have this little verse verse eighteen i'm not i 'm not referring to all of you, I know that I have those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against us and here we are at the last supper with the twelve disciples, one of whom was Judas Iscariot, and uh, Judas ate bread with Jesus on a number of occasions. This was not the first time he 'd eaten bread with jesus at lazarus 's house he 'd eaten bread with jesus at zacchaeus 's house they 'd enjoyed grilled fish together over a fire on the shore at the Sea of galilee and In this context it 's remembering that to eat bread in this culture meant that you were uh, someone's was with you. And was your friend. To share bread with somebody else was an, a, a kind of a, a soulmate type moment of, you're my friend, and I, I share this with you. It showed that you're a, a, you agreed with their lifestyle, with their attitudes and actions. It's why Jesus actually was criticized so much when they said, He eats with tax collectors and with sinners. When they criticised him for that, it wasn't just, you know, he was having a meal. It was in a sense, when you eat with somebody like that, you share bread with them, you're in agreement with them. You're in that sense of, you know, I'm with you. And so uh, here we are, Judas, uh, one of the chosen ones, one of the 12. And it's easy to forget that because Judas gets, obviously, some pretty rough press on the back of what happened. And to call anybody now, I mean, I, don't, I haven't done very many baptisms for people who have called their son Judas. Let's put it that In fact, I've done absolutely none. People who say, we'd like to baptise my, my son, we've called him Judas. Uh, it doesn't re- kind of work like that. You know, it's a bit like you, know, you don't do very many baptisms for kids named Adolf. It just, it just doesn't happen. And yet it's easy to forget that Judas was one of the... The 12. He was one of the chosen ones. Also that he was highly trusted. It's why he carried the money bag. He was the one that, that, that was able to count and sort stuff out. He was one of the trusted members of this group. And in fact, I've got a lovely little um, a kind of a, 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 a spoof version of putting a board together for a company. And it's kind of an analysis of Jesus' choosing of the twelve. And it goes through the various personality types of the twelve apostles. And says, you know, Peter is prone to fits of outrage and anger, speaks before he thinks. You know, James and John are prone to kind of being egocentric. You know Thomas is prone to depression, etc. However, we have spotted as part of your team one who we think is definitely uh, up for promotion and we consider Judas to be your, um, you know, the chief person that you might want to promote to the next stage of your company's life. Judas had lots going for him. He was one of the chosen ones, highly trusted and part of the team. And it's recognizing that actually when we think about this whole thing of betrayal, only a friend can betray you. Your enemies, you expect it, don't you? So your enemies don't betray you, actually. Your enemies just confirm what you've always feared about them. Um, But your friends are the ones that betray you. So that sense of betrayal uh, for Jesus and the others was coming from a place of friendship. Your friends are are the ones that betray you. And um, Judas, as he betrayed Jesus... Even though we know that Jesus knew it was coming, it was painful. After he'd said this in verse 21, it says, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. See, Jesus knew it and knew it when Judas was brought in. He knew that somehow Judas' part in this filled part of the bigger picture. um, And yet, uh, when it actually happened, there was still trouble. For Jesus. He felt it. He sensed it deep within. And even if you see betrayal coming, it's painful, isn't it? It's a bit like bereavement. Even if you know it's coming, it's still painful. Secondly, it's worth saying that uh, when we look at Judas, it's easy for us to point the finger at him and say, yeah, that was Judas. I'm not like that. But it's worth For ourselves, being honest and recognizing that actually betrayal is often in the heart of everyone. In uh, Matthew 26, Judas said, Surely you, you don't mean me. So even for Judas, there's that wrestle going on. And Jesus said to him in Matthew 26, Yes, it's you. In Jeremiah 17, it has this little phrase. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And although there are wonderful things in us, aren't there? So much good that there is in us. The the great stuff that we have potential for. There's also the reality that somehow deep within us, there lies a fault uh, in us, running straight the way through it. The heart is deceitful above all things. And I'm amazed at my ability to wriggle and for, for uh, uh, you know, to kind of uh, wriggle my way out of a variety of circumstances. And even sometimes, you know, just to, uh, just to kind of bend the truth somewhat. Uh, you know, that sense of deep within us, there is a fault. The heart is deceitful above all else. And in this meal, Judas was also at the right hand of Jesus. And so we've got, uh, on the one side it says you've got Jesus and then you've got the disciple that Jesus loved. And uh, probably that was John, because he wrote the gospel, so he's kind of giving himself, you know, bigging it up a little bit for himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved, oh I mean me, Um, just to one side of Jesus. And then because of the way that the meal takes place, the things that Jesus whispers and says to Judas... There's a strong assumption that Judas was probably at the other side of uh, sitting next to Jesus. And in that context, although we think about a meal sitting around a table at chairs, in the context of Jesus, there would have been a very low, flat table that the people eating at this table would have been reclining their heads towards their table. They would have been leaning on their left hand. They would have been eating with their right hand. And so when it says that uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved had his head near his chest, that would have been the way that the table was set up. So actually, you'd have John, his head close to Jesus' chest. And if Judas was next to Jesus, you'd have had Jesus' head quite close to Judas's chest whilst they ate together. And that's the, the context in which we are. Jesus was close to Jesus, uh, Judas was close to Jesus and that meant that as they arrived for this meal I don't know how you think the last supper was arranged there probably weren't invitations sent out beforehand and you know kind of uh, here's an invitation you're sitting third from the left J- Jesus probably as they arrived said to Judas Judas come and sit next to me come and you know recline on the bit of this bench next to me and it's in that context that these things take place. One of them, it says in verse twenty three, the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him and said to him, uh, Simon Peter mo- motions to John and said, Ask him which one he means. I think that's a lovely moment, isn't it, in this meal, where Jesus has said these words, and Peter has said, uh, Ask him who he means. Why do you think Peter wanted to know the answer to that question? It's because they, he was probably thinking, Is it me? Does he mean me? Ask him which one. Uh, we love everybody here, but we'd really like to know who it is so that you know, we can realize not just that it's them, but that it isn't us. It's not me. Judas was close. And we know that Judas uh, experienced so much of God's grace in Jesus. He was there at the passing out of the food for the 5,000 people. He'd seen Lazarus raised from the dead. He'd seen Jesus heal the blind, the lame, the deaf. Uh, and on the night of the betrayal, this night, as we heard last week, Judas's feet had been washed by Jesus. Not only that, but Jesus had placed him at the most favoured spot in this table right next to Jesus. He'd been part of the blessings and here here he was on this dark night for him uh, choosing to move in a particular direction. It's true, isn't it, to say that we can all... uh, Sorry. We can all experience all manner of blessing actually in our lives. We can come to church and we can sing the songs and yet there comes a moment of choice and decision when we just simply choose to go in the opposite direction. The great news is that actually when you look at this story of betrayal and denial and actually Judas and Peter have got some similarities about them, haven't they? As Jesus uh, reminded Peter that he was going to deny him three times before the you know the rooster uh, crowed Peter would deny him and yet somehow in the middle of this in the choices that were being made Judas set his face to go in the opposite direction and to uh, I- ignore uh, grace in this moment and so it's worth saying i think the betrayal never just happens Peter made a choice when he stuffed up in a variety of ways. Later on, when Jesus met him and said, you know, kind of as Karen was talking about this morning, reinstated him. Just like he'd let Jesus down three times, he denied him. Jesus asked him the same question three three times. Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so betrayal never just happens. Jesus was, uh, Judas was entrusted with the money. And uh, it says, verse 29, Judas had charge mo- of the money. Some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. In the context of this meal, you can understand, and it's hard to get it, isn't it, from the text, which bits were publicly said and which bits were more of a whisper. Simon Peter says to John, ask him which one he means. Jesus talks to Judas next to him and Judas ends up walking out. You can understand why Jesus didn't just say it publicly. Uh, Folks just to let you know in the context of this meal who I'm talking about it's Judas. At which point Simon Peter not known for his patience possibly wouldn't have stood up to lay hands on Judas to pray for him. Let's put it like that. Judas would have been uh, torn to shreds, I guess, by the other apostles. And so Judas was right in the inner circle. Judas, we're told, misappropriated the cash. You can look in John's Gospel, uh, in uh, back a page, John 12, verse 5. It just has this little phrase. It says, when Jesus was anointed at Bethany, you remember that story? And Judas says, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And then it says, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Betrayal never just happens. There's a creeping nature to it. And actually, it's part of the reason why we really encourage accountability with other people. It's one of the reasons why we've been talking about triplets and caring for people within small groups because betrayal never just happens, it always creeps up. And unless we're in relationships of accountability and trust and those people who will challenge when the creeping nature of betrayal starts to become apparent, then uh, we're likely to just pursue it to the conclusion. Judas established a pattern of betrayal in his life. And then, for Peter, uh, betrayal or denial, in his case, was about survival. We know that when, G- when Peter was worried, when Jesus was arrested, that he denied Jesus three times. Uh, and yet... Judas somehow sought it. He pursued betrayal and uh, made it a course of action for himself. Betrayal never just happens. And for this evening, in a sense, we may fall into both categories. We may feel that we've been betrayed or that we have let somebody down badly. I want to say this for those of us who, who have been betrayed... Jesus knows what it feels like. Jesus has been there and experienced that sense of betrayal. Every time Judas' name is mentioned in the Bible, uh, it, 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 there is mention of his betrayal. Or the phrase, who betrayed him, is always attached to Judas' name. The one who betrayed Jesus. And we don't know anything really good about this man. And yet the other disciples who ran away from Jesus, we know lots about it. We know that they escaped. We know that they came back. We know that many of them went on to plant churches and start movements. uh, That means that they are the reason why we find ourselves here tonight, actually. Because they pursued Jesus, even though they let him down. So Jesus knows what it's like, what it feels like to be betrayed. The reality is that Jesus will never betray you. It's one of the key dynamics for us in our lives when we get let down or we get hurt badly, particularly by those close to us, that we attribute that betrayal back to God. And something of uh, his character is tainted by the experience that we've had by being betrayed by others. Many of us will have been let down by our fathers in significant ways, and it takes time, doesn't it, to process that. Um, and Mark was saying yesterday at the breakfast that we had that for, in, in, with the kids that they work with in the favela in, in Brazil, it's, you, you can't talk about God as father, as the starting point, because their experience of father is so poor. Fathers have been abusive and um, dangerous people to be around. So you have to talk about Jesus as Friend, as the way in for these kids on the streets. Jesus will never betray us. And we have to sometimes process that for ourselves, that somehow he is actually what he says he is. He is good. I will never leave you or abandon you, Jesus said. What was done to him, he will never do to you. And for those of us who've been betrayed as well, there's the reality that we, like Jesus, must forgive. Um, There's no way around that or, or through that for Christians, I think there'll be a degree of difference in the hurt that we have received from others. And therefore, the degree to which it's easy that it takes a matter of seconds, weeks, days, or even years, or an ongoing process of forgiveness... Uh, It will vary, but there is no getting around it. Like Jesus, we learn to forgive those who have betrayed us. And for those of us that have been betrayers and let somebody down or a group of people down significantly, here's the reality for us, that we admit our sin. We say, you know, I I messed up. Uh, I got it wrong. We come to the cross and seek forgiveness and say, Lord, I give this to you set me free again we turn control of our life over to Jesus and say Lord you come and direct me Uh, you come and set in motion patterns in my life that will be helpful and constructive going forward and uh, part of that may well be accountability with other people Um, there are elements of my life I think where I have got it significantly wrong and the only thing The only thing that stops me getting it wrong today is accountability. Sometimes worship and prayer and all of those things, great those those things are, and we benefit from being in church where that's free. Do you know, sometimes that isn't enough, actually. We need accountability with others to keep us uh, on, on the straight and narrow. And if you think tonight that you will never betray Jesus or the special people in your lives uh, pride comes before a fall. And I, I think for us, we want to have a humility that says, you know, wherever we find ourselves being tonight, uh, you, you know, we, we aren't, we, you know, we want, we're, we're all weak. That we all mess up in one way or another. So tonight, here's what we're going to do with some of this stuff from John 13 looking at what took place in this final meal that Jesus had, the betrayal that unfolded, the denial that Jesus pointed towards in Peter's life. Uh, We might find ourselves in one place or another, feeling betrayed, feeling that we have betrayed somebody else in one way. You should have in front of you a bit of paper. Uh, Some of you may well have been writing other things on it, but... um, scribbling things. If you haven't got a bit of paper Joel and Emily have got a whole stack over there, not because they're in greater need than anyone else but um, uh, they would love to uh, pass those out to you if you haven't got one. And in a moment we're going to pray and we're going to say Lord what is it that's bubbling to the surface for me this evening? If you still have a, a, a great sense of Having been betrayed tonight there 's opportunity for you to write that down what you feel about being betrayed, even the thing that you have been betrayed in or possibly even the you know the initials of the person that may have betrayed you uh, you have a chance to, to write it down in a few minutes' time and if you 've been You've been aware that you've let other people down significantly. You've been at the other side of the coin, as it were. Again, you can write that down to say, Lord, I, I messed up. You, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I want freedom from this. And then as we worship in a few minutes' time, there's, uh, there's opportunity as we start to worship and as um, Dan and Kieran and the guys uh, lead worship in this last section of the service during that moment that I'd love you to come forward and that's why we have placed the um, yellow cross uh, here so that as you come forward you can pin fold up your bit of paper pin it to the cross and uh, in a moment of saying that's it Lord Uh, here's the place actually where freedom flowed from when Jesus died on the cross he died for uh, this stuff he died to lift it, to take it from us onto himself. And then he rose again to prove that he could, do, he, he could beat it. So this evening, you're going to have the opportunity to come forward, bit of paper, what pin it to the cross. And then there's going to be a, a group of people a, a, arranged up here, some folks on the prayer ministry team tonight. Uh, I'd love you to come forward in a second. You're going to linger, lurk somewhere at the front. And if having done that, you'd like to receive prayer for any aspect of what you've nailed, then here's the moment to do that. And two particular things that came to mind when we were praying earlier on. One is about just hearts of stone breaking. And if this evening there's a sense of something, you know that there's a somehow a hardness somewhere in you. Here's a moment in this moment, for that to break, things to change. And then also, uh, Jim had a, a word about a, a period of rain that's now over and the sun is coming out. There's a fresh start, a new day dawning, if you like. If that's you, uh, again, we'd love you to just pause here at the front uh, after having uh, nailed whatever it is to the cross. Just to let you know uh, that afterwards, nobody is going to take those these things off and read them. So, um, you know, just so that you're aware that, we'll take them off and I-, I will take them away and they'll be shredded in my office um, this evening. So just so you know that. Nobody's going to be reading them and thinking, well, oh, I wonder who that is. Um, so just so that you know that why don't we just stand for a moment and then we'll uh carry on writing as as it were